Hello everyone and welcome back to the Entertaining Minds of Complicated People. I am Marcus and today I am joined by your host, Harry. Hello. And David. Hello. On today's episode, we will be talking about the rumours of a Pokemon Diamond and Pearl for the Nintendo Switch, an Indiana Jones game which was recently revealed by Bethesda, and an open world Star Wars game from Ubisoft. Without further ado, let's get into our first topic. So, our first topic is Chris Evans and Captain America. A bit of background on Chris Evans if you don't know who he is and if you don't, what rock have you been living under? Chris Evans joined the MCU in 2011 when he started playing Steve Rogers, or as he's more commonly known in the superhero name, Captain America. He has appeared in one film every year from 2011 to 2019, and his final role came in Avengers Endgame, and that was because Rogers returned back to the 1940s to live with Peggy Carter. Evans insisted he was done playing Captain America since, um, since his last movie, but he's reportedly been in talks with Marvel about returning. There's been no official comment from Marvel yet, but tweets from Evans, like news to me with the shrugging emoji, um, likely refers to this. So, supposed deal is for one movie, but could open the door to another, or potentially Disney Plus series since they seem to be taking off at the moment, like WandaVision, which I don't think is too bad, but there may be mixed opinions on that. David, what are your opinions on if Chris Evans returned as Captain America? I think I don't I don't want him I don't want him to come back. I want the character to come back. I want the old guy to keep playing Captain America. But I want him to be a sort of mentor. Um because in the comics there was a black Captain America who was basically like the younger version. Uh same super soldier like program that uh uh Captain America went through. <laughs> But I was, I'm hoping that there's like potentially a, you know, a duo there, potentially, uh, between uh, that character Isaiah Bradley, and uh, Cap, you know, maybe sort of, um, sort of a Logan situation where we have the older, older mentor and the younger, the younger, um, what's it called, uh, student, <laughs> sort of a Karate Kid moment, um, but the way that the MCU is moving forward. It seems like it's going to be Falcon who takes over the Black Captain America, the Isaiah Bradley character, um, which would be interesting. So we're not sure yet if it's going to be an old Cap or a young Steve Rogers, but I'm just excited for the character. I feel like they could have done one more movie and uh, I'd be excited to see what movie that is. Oh, it was a mixture of F. FX and CGI. I thought it was just straight up CGI, but Harry, what's your opinion on uh, on uh, Chris Evans potentially coming back to the MCU? I want to know. It's well, to be honest, what that is really good. It's just there's another side to it that I I somewhat see every time something like an actor is used all the time and then brought on for you know carried on brought carried on using for the used for the same character every time. It sort of makes me think that they are just looking to just put an actor on, on either the front on either the the cover art or whatever or in the na- or in the group of names of actors that are in the movie to try and get more money like basically more money more pr it just that's that's how i see when someone is brought on the, a movie for the same character every year for for however long it's been it's yeah marcus what's your opinion so 
I personally think that um, they ended his character arc. They ended Chris Evans as Captain America. It's not, you know, it's it's not flipping Endgame anymore. You can't time travel, change anything. Just leave it alone. You've passed on the torch, and I think it would overshadow um, Chris Evans. I, I think it would overshadow, who was it, Falcon becoming Captain America? True. It would yeah. completely ruin that character's... Well, actually, no, it doesn't. Because we don't know yet what the plot would be. Um, Fair point. So we don't know if it's a younger Steve going through time, putting back the stones, like sort of that adventure, or if it's a younger Steve in the past doing missions for S.H.I.E.L.D., like a a younger S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, continuing where he left off before the plane crashed. I can see that. We don't know yet. So really, it's a matter of time. We have to wait. But no matter what, it's going to come out on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I think the fact that, like, Captain America is just, like, as as you said, David, like, they could set it back in time. But if they were to do something where he was an old man or this is him living out the rest of his life, because it was implied that, he, I'm pretty sure it was implied that he lived out the rest of his life and died. I'm pretty sure that's what they were going for. But... If they did carry out uh, carry this movie out with him being an old man, like imagine how much they have to spend on like special effects just for like the CGI on his um like j- just for his CGI. I mean, I know these movies are big budgets and all that, but I think it would just be a waste of money making someone like an old man. And also, I don't really think that'd be an interesting movie whatsoever. But you know, that's down to individual opinions, I guess. So, Razor. Oh, Razor. Now, I am a fan of this. Um, I, I will admit, it intrigues me. Not something I would have personally, but I think it definitely has an audience out there. And this is the Razor and Hello Kitty collab. Yeah. So, this Razor Hello Kitty collab is likely to come out around spring of 2021. And it, it has obviously been confirmed um, that it's releasing soon. So, early this year, um, I, we're, we're moving into sort of spring. So, we don't know whether it's early spring, late spring, but we know it's sometime around then. They, they have had something like this before, which was a Razor Times uh, Sanrio. And so, they had a Sanrio characters collab. And obviously, Sanrio own Hello Kitty and they own that IP but that was only released in China. It looked very vibrant and pink. The keyboard is not something that I am the biggest fan of um, but the, the Hello Kitty the Hello Kitty headphones I think with a little bow on it and the cat ears I think that has an audience. I personally don't think it's too bad and I think people are overreacting. As I said it was only released in China and the peripherals that were released were a keyboard, headset, wide mouse, mouse mat, and headset. And um, it was pink themed, like Razor's uh, standard quartz line. And the Razor rep said that it's like that the products and design will be different from what was released in previously in China. So this is a Hello Kitty collab by the looks of things and not Samrio. Uh, so we can expect it to be similar, but not the same. So we don't have any definitive, um, we don't have anything definitive to go on. But it is likely to feature a similar or the same color scheme and overall look. Now, again, I cannot, I, like, I have to keep saying this. I don't think it's bad. I, 
I think there's an audience out there. I think it appeals to people. Not something I would buy, but something that I'm it's something I'm okay with. But there's people on the internet that absolutely have an absolute frenzy. Um, and yeah. Harry, what are your opinions on this Razer Hello Kitty collab? As you said, yeah, I can see that there are people who would like this. I personally don't like the headphones. The keyboard is probably the my probably my favorite thing out of the entire collection. But yeah, it, I don't like the headphones. If the if the bow can be taken off, I'm fine. But that does no point that that defeats yeah. the whole point of the set. So I can see why it wouldn't if it wouldn't be the mouse. That's far that it, that one's okay. The mat I probably would would wouldn't use it. But yeah. I probably wouldn't use most of the stuff there, to be honest. I mean, I have a Surface Pro, so <laughs> I can't really complain when it comes to keyboards. Uh, yeah, they're not they're not the most amazing keyboards, but they do. My only issue um, with the whole thing is that it's quite expensive. It seems quite expensive. For the mouse and the mouse pad, $86. That seems a bit. And I think I can get a wired keyboard with a Hello Kitty aesthetic on Amazon for about seven pounds. That this here it says one hundred ninety dollars. I mean, I understand that it, they've slapped Razor on top of it, um, but that seems to be an issue. Um, currently, I think they're. It said they're looking on making an, a, a gaming chair and a smart mask. Don't know what the hell a smart mask is, but a gaming chair. It says immersive, so I'm in, interested. Um, yeah, so we'll see what else. Um, Razor and Hello Kitty have down the pipeline. Yeah, you bring up a very interesting thing there about the um about the price because the price does um really does have it is a really big issue. I think it's it is you're just paying for Hello Kitty with the Razor logo. Like it's not it is nothing new. It's like you could probably get your own decals and stuff for your own whatever. So. So just to finish us off there, that is the Hello Kitty Razor collab, and it will be releasing in spring of 2021. Now, on to our third topic, which is Pokemon Diamond and Pearl for Nintendo Switch. Now, the 25th anniversary of the game's release, of, of Pokemon's first release on Game Boy, would be the 27th of Feb February, and Diamond and Pearl would obviously be remakes for the Switch, and they could be announced anytime soon. So those are the originally the first Pokemon games for the Nintendo DS, which I do remember very, uh, very well. And the rumor, uh, this rumor has come from a Spanish fan site called Centro Pokemon, and their quote was roughly translated by Nintendo Life. Centro Pokemon can confirm that according to sources close to the company, Remakes of Pokemon Diamond and Pokemon Pearl, originally released in 2006 for Nintendo DS, are in development for the Nintendo Switch. So, could this be a potential link to Project Aula? So, the uh, the Nintendo Switch that we talked about last week. Could it be one of the first games released on that, since it was the first games released on Nintendo DS? Who knows? I am not a massive Pokemon fan, I will be the first to admit. But I have played Pokemon games, um, I loved the DS, and I really do think it has potential. And I think, again, all the remakes and remasters that we're getting these days and that people are asking for, I think it's 
I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and I really do think there's a good chance they'll still sell. So, Harry um, and David, I know you both like your anime, but um, Harry, opinions? That It would be nice to, to see that. I And to be honest, I don't like Pokemon in any way. I haven't played the games. I don't like the actual anime. So, yeah, I'm not the person you should be asking. David probably is. That's the thing. Um, I enjoy it. I've been a fan of Pokemon since, since I was a child, really. I watched the anime growing up. I collected the cards. But uh, I've never played the games. Um, so I literally have no experience in this arena. But I'd be interesting I'd be interested to see it come out on the Switch. I I, I might get it, play it on the Switch, uh, potentially. Um but yeah, I've never played any of the games. I've literally only watched the anime and collected the cards. My biggest request about remastering games ever is that mm. we don't take away what we liked about it in the first. What was already there. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously don't don't take the good stuff them. out. Remove the bad stuff. Replace that with good stuff that complements the original exactly. stuff. Exactly. And um, obviously, I've never played it, but an example I haven't of played, a remastered I don't watch game, the anime. I, um, I know less which, than you. An example of a remastered game which perfectly fits this um, criteria would be the recent remastering of spider-man game from 2018 which a lot of people had some qualms with um one of the biggest ones was that they changed the face yeah that one yeah they changed the face and i understand why people were angry i understand why people were angry i i I dislike it but i don't know why people were so angry with it yeah i don't think there was that much rage needed and that's why that's one thing i think they should um keep in mind when remastering this pokemon game um, not to change it so much to the fact where it's like an entirely different game. Wow. Because then it's not a remastering. It's a new Pokemon game. I want to see the same game potentially with a few minor tweaks, graphics upgrade, sleeker performance, but, you know, essentially overall the same game. And I think it would run it sh- well. It there. should have a graphics yeah. like boost, shouldn't it? I think it would run well, especially on the Nintendo Switch. Mm. Um, so that'd be interesting to see, and I mean, I I was gonna say also that it's gonna be more portable now, but to be honest, Nintendo mm. devices have always been quite portable. You know, we've had the NS, yeah, we had the uh, Game Boy, DS, the 3DS, 2DS, Game, the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Don't Advance, that one. Yeah, we, all these. Um, yeah, there was the Game Boy Pocket and Game Boy Color, but those just came under Game Boy. So. Yeah, I think this would be interesting to see. As long as they don't change too much about the original game so that it's a completely different project. I don't want that to happen. Yeah, keep keep may, keep the story definitely. The maybe the mechanics depending on which ones they are, if people like them or not. The graphics improve that and then what else? Sounds um, maybe just minor tweaks to gameplay or yeah. Just minor change a few things with the yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff, yeah. But I have to agree with um, David's point on, you know, remasters and stuff. Y- you can't change the game. There's a difference for remasters between remastering the game, changing the game, and rebranding the game. So, Mario 3D All-Stars, I have a slight problem with Mario 64. Like, I would have liked to have seen Mario 64 in a new sort of 3D proper, like, remastered. Instead, they give us a janky... They give us the old version, which I guess banks on people's nostalgia. I guess people want that, but... 
I personally would have loved to have seen what would have happened. And I just don't think, I think if they gave us two modes or something, that would have been better. But I think that was a big disappointment. And that's an example of when they didn't do enough. I personally think that it's going to be a great success. And I think, I think they're going to do quite well. I think that, I think Nintendo know what they're doing. And I just hope they don't end up in a slew of, of remasters because it just seems to keep happening. It's, it's really upsetting when I see studios just going into the remaster phase. It seems to be um, the new generation sort of thing. Uh, it just seems to be everyone starting to do all these all these remasters, which is not what you want. Um, I want remasters, yes, but I don't want too many. And after 3D All-Stars, and I'm assuming that sold really well, and that was limited as well, that was out for a limited time. I assume that... If they do Pokemon that and it sells well, it will pave the way for more remasters. And I really hope Nintendo don't go down that road. Although it's not as if they're not releasing new games, as it um as they are releasing um the new Super Mario 3D World, and there are rumors of Super Mario Bros. um for the Nintendo Switch, which would certainly be interesting and certainly be something to look at. But as long as Nintendo don't go down this road of remasters and they genuinely know what they're doing, genuinely, you know, have a clear idea of what they want, I think, I think this will be fine, and I don't see, I don't think there's any harm in doing a few remasters here and there. So now we're just going to be going for a little bit of a break, and we will be back shortly, where we will be talking about a new Indiana Jones game that has been revealed by Bethesda, a brand new open-world Star Wars game from Ubisoft, and we will be discussing Call of Duty. We'll see you after the break. We are back after that short break, and we are now going to talk about the Indiana Jones game. So, we got an announcement from Disney the other day, and they said, Today we got our first look at what the new label, Lucasfilm Games, is getting up to, and it's a surprise to say the least. An Indiana Jones game is being developed by Wolfenstein Studio Machine Games. So, in a quote from Bethesda on Twitter, they said, A new Indiana Jones game with an original story is in development from our studio Machine Games, and will be executive produced by Todd Howard, who is also the game director for Elm Scrolls and Fallout. And in collaboration with Lucasfilm's games, it will be some time before we have more to reveal. But we are very excited to share today's news. So, with someone like Todd Howard on board, who is the director, the game director, of Elder Scrolls and Fallout, I think it's in good hands. I don't see a point in an Indiana Jones game, to be completely honest, but it's going to be interesting, to say the least. I'd like to see what they can do with it. This seems to be something that Disney have re-evaluated. Um, they've started re-evaluating their new um, their partnership with EA, and are obviously starting to let other companies um, take the reins for these games, which could be a test. Um, and since it, there's Ubisoft and there's Bethesda, which we will go on to in a minute um, when we talk about the Star Wars game, um, <clears throat> Bethesda and Ubisoft could be getting tested by Disney before EA, um, bef before the EA finally lose the license, and they could be renewing it again with EA. Or they could be renewing it with Ubisoft, or they could be renewing it with Bethesda, depending on how it goes. I don't know. I personally think this is just a massive test. Um, and I hope Ubisoft comes out on top, quite frankly, because 
Um, as much as Bethesda is a good studio, I think I think Ubisoft games are better. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a lot of hate from that, but um, Ubisoft games are better. David, what are your opinions on in the Indiana Jones game and it being created by Bethesda? Mixed emotions because, of course, they make the I think widely hated game Fallout seventy six, which uh, obviously is not done well ever like the game was terrible um but they also made the cult classic skyrim so i mean really they it feels like they've not really handled game like um or at least a concept like uh indiana jones before so this would be interesting to see how they uh what's the word how they how they tackle the situation I have been looking at the trailer though, and from what it seems, it obviously it is a teaser. But from what it seems, I don't know how to feel. I don't like. I don't like the the the, uh, the art style. I guess you would say it just doesn't look. It looks quite. Um, it looks like one of those games where you try and find the try and find a group of items that are missing in a room, and oh, that's the cave soul. But Hopefully it is nothing like that. I mean, obviously we only got this information a week ago, so it's still uh, it's still very re- recent. Uh, so I think we just have to wait. Um, just like the game we were talking about last week, uh, the uh, James Bond game, just going to be waiting, really, for another trailer to come out to see uh, to, to what we can base our opinions on, basically. I have also just watched the, um, the trailer, and there is a pass in the background which has Rome on it. So I don't know, could be a little Easter egg teaser for it, possibly. I don't know, but it could be, it could be a sign that it might be set in Rome. So I think that was something interesting. But um, I would say it probably would be more in a faraway desert land because that's more Indiana Jones' style. Um, Harry, opinions? Uh, as David said, yeah, I, I actually agree with all that. But Marcus, you said that that might be where it's set. I would have, I would think it, it could be where it's set, but it also could be one of the various places in which the story takes place. Like it might not just be, might not be just one place. Like that might be, you know, it could have a few level, like a few bits of the story and where you said, or and then it'll go to a different place, any place. I don't know, pick a place, any place, and then another place. It might not just be that one place. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly think that this is going to be... I think this is going to be an interesting game, and I can't wait to see... I can't wait to see what's going to happen, and I wish Bethesda all the best of luck, but um, I hope Ubisoft do better. Um, yeah, that's that's what my that's really where my uh, heart lies with Ubisoft. And speaking of Ubisoft, they are making a brand new... Brand spanking news, open world Star Wars game. And on the 13th of January, Lucasfilms Games announced that it is entering a partnership with Ubisoft. It's the first time a Star Wars game hasn't been produced by EA since 2012. And EA will continue to make Star Wars games in the future, according to a tweet on their official Twitter. And followed, um, it also follows the Indiana Jones announcement we just discussed. Um, so the Ubisoft CEO and co-founder said it was it was massive to work with uh, Lucasfilm and Lucas Games to create an original Star Wars adventure that is different to anything that's been done before. And currently there's no release window or further details available because this has only just been announced. So again, expect it to come in within the next couple of years. But Ubisoft tightened up screws, 
Bethesda tighten up screws because recent games have been really, really sloppy. I don't care what you do, just you had so much more time on Watch Dogs Legion and Valhalla, you should tighten up those screws, man. All I'm saying. Opinions, Harry. Okay. It, the fact that it's the first game that made by EA, first of all, the first oldest game since 2012, you said, was it? Yeah. It, it, they have made pretty good games. Well, decent Star Wars games throughout that time. The I've forgotten the name. The the most recent one. I've forgotten the name of it. I'll be that good if you've forgotten about it. Fallen Order. That that one, yeah. That one is really good. So they the one will that you've been playing all year. <laughs> yes, I've forgotten the name. Shush. <laughs> they will Ubisoft will have a will have a lot to try and live up to. They need to Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they have a lot to live up to, to to make it so that they have either the choice of going, do we want EA to make these sims at a meh level with high amount of transactions and all that, or go with Ubisoft where it might be a better game with less transactions. Right. Hopefully, well... Ubisoft have been putting needless microtransactions in the most recent games. They um, they put it in Watch Dogs Legion, which, you know, there's no reason for microtransactions in Watch Dogs Legion. There wasn't in Watch Dogs 2 or Watch Dogs 1. And in Assassin's Creed Valhalla as well, I'm pretty sure they've added microtransactions. So I think um, Ubisoft are just as culpable as EA when it comes to these microtransactions. And so are Bethesda, and I blame the gaming industry, but EA in particular, for popularising these microtransactions. Yeah, if EA didn't, we wouldn't have this. Which is why I no. personally bl- blame them, and not any other company that does it, because... Yeah. EA are the ones that started all this mess. Yeah, EA are responsible for a lot of the gaming habits we have now, and um, a lot of them are the bad, uh, the bad ones. Um, mm. EA, EA popularized a lot of microtransactions in games. Mobile games have microtransactions in. I've been on about this before. Tapped out. Needless microtransactions. Absolutely needless. But they were there. And some people bought into them. I know people that did. And it's it, people spent hundreds of pounds on them. And it's just needless. And I think there needs to be more rules governing what, um, what you can put microtransactions in. There is always the argument, if you don't like them, just don't buy them. But it's not the point. Um, even Epic Games start doing it on Fortnite when you don't have Battle Pass. I know that you get a window up every so often, and it'll start. It, it'll get really annoying because it gets on your nerves, and it's just bu- basically bullying you into having the Battle Pass. It keeps reminding you that you don't have something that it. You're paying to get rid of ads, but that being said, Fortnite is an exception because it's a free game, and that's how they make their money. But when you pay £60 for a brand new game, you shouldn't expect to have microtransactions in them. Full stop. Rant over. But I I think it's going to be really interesting, as Harry said. Um, I don't think they've got a lot to live up to, um, to be completely honest. Um, <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront 1 was something that they could live up to. If they could replicate the success of that with a new studio, that would be amazing. But so long as they don't go into uh, Battlefront 2 territory, then, you know, I think I think they'll be safe. As long as they have um, some good releases, so long as they don't do as as they did last time uh, with any of their games, um, both Ubisoft and I think Lucas um, Lucas Arts and that are all really really sort of um, egging this on and hoping that they don't mess this up because it is their reputation on the line as well as the gaming companies. I can't wait to see what happens. But yeah, I wish all I wish Ubisoft the best of luck, and I hope mm. that they really can do these uh, do this franchise justice. So now moving on to our sixth and final topic which is a let's talk. 
and today we are going to be talking about Call of Duty. I personally believe that Call of Duty is one of the best first-person shooter franchises ever. It is a bit overrated, um, but compared to the likes of Battlefield, um, I think they've had more consistently, I think Call of Duty have had more consistent releases as Battlefield 4, like Battlefield Hardline was meh, Battlefield 3, I don't know how well that did, Battlefield 4 was okay, Battlefield 1 was amazing, and Battlefield 5 was really short. Um, and yeah, yeah, campaigns for Call of Duty are getting shorter and shorter each uh, each game, mm. and they are working on different aspects. So you've got the zombies, multiplayer, and campaign. And apparently no one wanted campaign, which is why Black Ops 4 happened. And we all know how much of a success mm. that was. Oh, the, f- the, the one and only Call of Duty game without a campaign. Indeed. And, and the worst each and every game. one, every single one has had more success. Every single one that had a campaign had more success. Now, yeah, my opinion on ghosts. Ooh. I know Marcus is going to go very angry at me if I say certain play what I, I might normally say, but I've sort of started to learn to accept it and say that it's maybe too bad, especially in when you compare it to Black Ops Four. It's not the best, well, but there are worse games. I have something to say on ghosts, and um. Oh, Oh no. I bloody love the game. Um <laughs> it's I I don't think it was too bad. I think it gets a lot of stick and a lot mm. of people hate it, but I don't think it was as bad as people say it was. Um I got it very early on and I played it and I loved it. And I don't know whether that was because it was um one of the first sort of Call of Duties I played. Although I played Advanced Warfare before, and I think I enjoyed Ghosts more. But mm. I, I honestly don't think it's bad. I think it is an underrated Call of Duty. And I was looking at articles when I was looking at Battlefield 4, because it was a decision between Battlefield 4 repurchasing um, Call of Duty Ghosts. And what they were saying is, like, I was reading the articles, and they were going, oh, so it's Battlefield 4, uh, Battlefield 4 versus um, uh, Call of Duty Ghosts. Who's going to win? And in the end, really, neither of them won because they were probably Battlefield Four was a really um, terribly rated game, from what I can tell, and a lot of people didn't like it because of um, certain aspects. And people were like, "Oh, who plays the campaign anymore?" Which is probably where um, mm. where yeah, people get their ideas from. Yeah, but <laughs> I think Call of Duty Ghosts was getting some pretty bad was getting pretty pretty bad rap as well, but. When you compare it to Infinite Warfare, it is not that bad. I mean, Infinite Warfare wasn't too bad. I did play through the campaign. That was okay. The multiplayer can go to hell. Yeah. Zombies was that, good. I, I don't care. Zombies was okay. The the multiplayer... Yeah, no. Get that gone from Inf- Infinite Warfare. That can go away. I, I, can, I can't use other words. I'm very limited. But we'll carry yeah. on. Uh, ooh, what, what would be the better ones? Uh... Black Ops One and Two, all three, no, all four of the modern warfare's. Those, yeah. those five, six. Never mind. I can't count. Apparently, but those six games are probably the better ones. Yeah. That yeah. The the third Black Ops game, eh, not. Right. The mm. campaign was a bit. The campaign different. Yeah. Didn't follow so... on from anything that the first two did. Yeah, which Nothing. is why it's probably hated so much. Also, the game physics mm. are horrible. Um, the sure. realism, like the the hardest difficulty in any Call of Duty, you know, is is never like it is in Black Ops Three. 
Because in Black Ops 3, it is literally one-hit kill. You get hit once and you die. So Yeah, I, I have tried that. I probably made it about 15 minutes into the first level, and I'm like, no. I've had enough already. No. Every other game, I every other game on the hardest difficulty, I'm much better. Like yeah, the and... first Modern Warfare, I was. I'm well because of how long I've played Call of Duty games. My aiming is sort of good, so yeah, I'm pretty good at that. Which you sort of need to be good at aiming if you're playing a, a shooter game. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, mm. I. I've played I played it recently. I was trying to get the platinum trophy on the, on PlayStation. The only thing that um I didn't get was um kill an enemy with all weapons in the game. And then there was also um complete Mile High Club and Veteran difficulty. I completed the rest of the game with Veteran. Ooh. But Mile High Club is another mm, level. That one's pretty difficult. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty difficult to do. My yeah. oh my best time what was your best time on the first the on on the first level oh, of um, Modern Warfare One. I can't remember what it's actually called because I know it's STD. Um, no, STD is Modern Warfare Two. Um, G. It's not no. crew expendable. That's no the crew one. expendables. Yeah. Um, FNG. That's the second one. Yeah, I forgot on the first level. That's FNG. the one. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I but... I, I, oh. I don't know what it what that what does that stand for though. Right. I don't know what FNG I'm... stands for. Something. But yeah, I think. Oh, what was mine? It was like fifteen point eight. New guy. Oh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, I I got fifteen point eight. That was the time I I completed that, the timed one. What was the fastest time you did it? Fifteen point eight. Fifteen point eight. Yeah, there's this um. Probably the there's best a time you have to beat. That um, the best time on the a ri- on the first one on Call of Duty Four was I think a fifteen point one. I think, but I might be wrong on that. And then it was what was it? It was in the 14s after that, but I might be wrong. Um, right, so what was your time, you say? 15, it was a 15.8. 15.8. So I know that the um, Infinity Ward's time is 15.1 seconds. And mm. in order to get the trophy for it, you had to beat Infinity Ward's time. And I remember I beat that time by 0.05 seconds. So I would have done it in 15.08 five seconds Ooh. and i trained so hard to get that five done hundredths of a second faster. it is it's difficult though but what you have to do in order to get like that time is you have to snag um the grenade launcher at the beginning that the um the gun with the nade launcher and so as you exit the last door you actually run past the guy and you have to do a full like 360 and you have to like pop the grenade in at the right moment, so when you cross the finish line, it's blown up, and that guy's like that target's down, and then and then you uh, cross the finish line and beat the time. Mm. And it's really hard uh, to pull off. I I know of another way of doing it. So you you use the guns that you're given, and you go through it. You throw the flash. You you exit, and then turn around, shoot, tur- and then carry on turning. So while you're turning, you shoot them, carry on turning, and then sprint. And that that is, I think, the faster way of doing it. But I might be wrong because you have yeah. to wait for the you have to wait for the grenade to explode. Yeah, is which takes longer. No, but you're already running away when the grenade's exploding, and otherwise you have to wait for the target to pop up, which is time consuming. But yeah, you have, um... you have to throw the flash in there, then shoot the grenade, which means you've probably gotten to the finish by the time it's exploded. Mm, so uh... I think my ways. The what the one that I've said is probably better. I mean, you know, it's all subjective. Yeah. But for example, uh... if you Go on, sorry. Uh, in on this is from Modern Warfare Two, but I 
I didn't know that you can like the uh the museum part. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't know there was a button that means you can take out people. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. It literally says do I not didn't press. Know. Yeah, it says do not press, and I was like, it's a big red button that says do not press. What do you think I'm going to do? Yeah, it has it... all of the biggest things of you do not press this button, but it's a big red button. You want to know what happens? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, yeah. I did it. I managed to. I, I hated having to kill Price though. I hated doing that. Oh I, yeah, I, I mean, no, it was I, one of the. I didn't kill him. Just let him shoot me. I think I let him kill me because I'm not doing that. I, that um, Modern Warfare Two Remastered is one of the games I managed to platinum, Ooh. and on SSDD you have to be the best time. I can't remember what the best time is, but. Ooh. It was. I, um, I think I got three stars on it, like first try. Yeah, SSDD. Like, pretty quick. To beat the best time, you have to um, you have to hit some insane shots, and you have to get really lucky like with multiple ones. Up. Yeah, so you yeah. have to be deadly accurate. You have to hit them pretty much. In, you have to pretty much hit them in the head, and you have to take out like two targets at once and keep and moving. And make sure like, you don't hit civilians. And yeah, and move. make sure you don't hit civilians. And move, and it is it I think is difficult. One billion just removes a star immediately, doesn't it? Uh, I can't remember, but there's there's rules governing, like you know, mm. um, how you need to do it. Because if you want to beat the best time, trust me, you need mm, to you need difficult. to be deadly yeah. accurate. What? Yeah. What? What were they on when they when they got that time? Jeez, took, apparently took the world time. record. Apparently, the world record is oh. five point nine five seconds. Cheats. You can't do it in that time. Yeah, you you physically cannot. You just there's there's mods and cheats in that because you just can't. Yeah, even if you ran it without shooting people, you could not make it in five point eight seconds. The amount of time it takes, no, you can't. I see what's happened. Basically, what um yeah. you get time off if you do a really perfect run. Yeah, oh. if you do a perfect run, you get um time get taken time. off. They got oh, an accuracy right. bonus which took away ten seconds. That's that's how much time it can be taken off in accuracy only. And so that concludes today's episode. If you would like to continue to support the podcast further, you can go find us over on Twitter and Instagram at MindsPeoplePC. We also have a YouTube channel of the same name, and we'd appreciate it if you went over there and gave us a subscribe and liked a couple of our videos as well, because that really does help us. And we also have a website, which we will link in the description of today's episode. And we really appreciate your support, and we could not do this without you. Thank you again, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.